Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, y'all. It is Monday, December 19th. I'm Rob Litters here with Jacob Cohen, and you are listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to talk about Avatar's sequel, The Way of Water, and whether or not it can live up to its $2 billion hype. And after a riveting final to the World Cup yesterday, we're going to break down what happens now in Qatar and whether or not hosting the tournament was actually worth the cost. But before we get to that, here's what's going on in the world of business and tech. Following the crumbling of FTX, crypto exchange giant Binance saw $6 billion in outflows in the first half of last week. In what could be viewed as a chirp to FTX, and I'm not really sure how else you could view this, Binance said it fulfilled those withdrawals without breaking stride. John Carmick, who's the original CTO of Oculus, is leaving Meta. He's going to go work on his own AI company, and he had some harsh words for Zuck's metaverse giant on the way out, saying the company has a ridiculous amount of people and resources, but constantly self-sabotages and squanders efforts. Netflix canceled Blockbuster, which was an office-style comedy about the last Blockbuster video location after only one season. I think Netflix has probably done enough to Blockbuster, so this is probably karma just doing its job. We got some bad news for EVs. Ford's electric F-150 Lightning pickup now costs 40% more than it did at launch following a $4,000 hike due to increases in raw material costs. Layoffs are coming for the investment banking world. Goldman Sachs is reportedly planning to lay off 8% of its staff, while Morgan Stanley recently cut 2% of its own staff. And lastly, two ex-Twitter employees plan to launch Spill, a new real-time conversational platform in six to eight weeks. And with that, let's talk about Avatar. Okay, JC. So first things first, Avatar came out this weekend. We're recording before a lot of the box office numbers are finalized, but this is big news. Like People have been talking about this movie for years now. feels like ever since the first one came out. What's going on with Avatar? Did you see Avatar? So I have not yet seen it. It's on my list. I actually looked at tickets, but uh, there were really not many to be found in Boston. So I'm <laughs> probably going to wait a little bit so I can get a good seat. But Makes sense. Uh, yeah, listen, Avatar is coming out. People are talking about a recession. People are wearing Crocs and Uggs again. I feel like we're back in 2009. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a really big deal because it's a really big movie. Uh, with has a production budget that people estimated around $400 million. Makes it easily one of the most expensive movies ever made. And that's before a lot of the marketing costs that have gone into this. And there's been a lot of marketing because <laughs> they had to remind people about this movie. Right. James Cameron told GQ magazine that The second movie, The Way of Water, was the worst business case in movie history. And that to break even, (laughs) he'd need to gross about $2 billion. So It's great that he's self-aware about this because, yeah, James Cameron, not exactly the most frugal filmmaker. No, and he doesn't really care. He doesn't care. (laughs) And his his movies do numbers. So it's it's like he he has the the reason for spending the money. But 
Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think, though, it has a lot going for it. You know, I will say, I've seen a lot of talk online, people really ripping the movie and the plot, saying it's really cliche and whatnot. And that may be. But the fact of the matter is it's a visual masterpiece, has good action, and people pay to see those things, especially when there's nothing else out there right now. And they'll go to movie theaters to see those things. Exactly. So and that's the, the classic criticism of James Cameron from film buffs, I feel like, is that he just falls in love with the technology that he's using and everything else is expense, right? So at the story's expense, right. at the writings, it's expense, at everything else kind of falls off compared to the technology. And so to your point, it's definitely going to be a visual masterpiece and spectacle. But that was my biggest beef with the first Avatar movies. Mm. I just felt like the writing was very corny. Yeah. It just felt like kind of a B-list script. But hey, some people fell in love with it. Exactly. There, I'm pretty sure there's a term post-Avatar depression uh, <laughs> that people uh, felt after watching that movie. But I think it's important to note there's also China which could play a really big role in how well this movie does. Uh, for reference, there are now 82,000 movie screens in China uh, compared wow. to just a, a little under 6,000 when the first Avatar came out there and earned hundreds of millions of dollars there. So China is a very important place for movies these days, and I think this movie can do very well there. I mean, that number of movie screens is absolutely <laughs> it is it's a I lot mean, it's, of screens <laughs> yeah i mean they, they've like more than 10x the number of movie screens in the in the country that's outrageous i mean it is and if uh the tracking in the united states is uh correct the way of water is expected to see a domestic debut of up to 175 million dollars okay. uh you know for reference earlier this year top gun maverick had a $127 million domestic opening and went on to earn a billion and a half dollars in the box office worldwide. So wow. uh, $175 million domestic opening would be pretty good. 100%. I, so what do you think? Do you think The Way of Water is going to hit the $2 billion mark that Cameron said they need to to break even? I do. I do. I think there's I nothing too. else out there. I think people are really liking going back to the movies. Not everyone, but I think a lot of people. And by the way, speaking of Mr. Cameron and investor Ray Dalio are now part owners of a submarine company. So <laughs> no I thought way. that was interesting to point out. Yeah. Okay, JC. So we just had a few weeks of soccer fever because of the World Cup. It just ended. Argentina won. Congratulations to Argentina. Congrats. Congrats. Now what's going to happen in Qatar? What's, what is going on there? And what do they do now that this huge spectacle is all over? Yeah. So now that the World Cup is over, we have this classic question that gets raised after all these kind of large scale sporting events, right? Same question gets raised after the Olympic Games all the time uh, and other World Cups when countries spend billions of dollars leading up to these games that last for a few weeks. And then what? Right. Was it worth it? Right. Was it worth the price tag? What do you do with all the stuff that you just spent a decade building? Right. For a really short event. And so the numbers that have been thrown around in terms of how much Qatar has spent on this World Cup, something like $220 billion. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we'll get into why that is, because it is very high. Uh, Bloomberg put it as high as $300 billion. Now, 
you know, you look at the previous World Cups, the most expensive after Qatar is Brazil at around just 15 billion, just 15 billion, right? So what's the insane difference? And the answer is that the 220 billion number really includes largely all this money that Qatar was already going to be spending on what they call their Qatar national vision for 2030. You know, basically a humongous infrastructure development project planning to turn Qatar into a global modern business hub, yada, yada, yada. Gotcha, yeah. Um, And so they're already going to build a lot of these things, spend a lot of money building uh, this kind of infrastructure anyway. And they basically looked at the World Cup as a way to market that investment and have it work as basically a catalyst for actually getting some of this development done pretty quickly. Kind of gave them like a a deadline to, to do some development. Yeah. Things like hotels, underground transportation, stadiums, airport infrastructure. So what I think is interesting is it's clear on the marketing front, Qatar got its name out there pretty well. Viewership was through the roof. I think most fans probably couldn't point to Qatar on a map right. beforehand. I'm sure maybe they can't now either. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the truth is, at the same time, though, much of the conversation around Qatar was not associated with the best things, workers' rights. LGBT rights, you know, and an alcohol ban, which we've spoken about that I don't think is going to necessarily help them in the long term. So it did get its name out there, but was it for a good cause, right? And uh, in terms of the return on investment and what Qatar is going to do with all this stuff. So the Qatari said that the event will provide a $17 billion boost to the local economy. Whether that's true or not, it's a I'm sure they'll get a nice immediate boost, but what's the long-term impact, right? Right. Yeah, so I'm not actually sure about the World Cup, but I I read this book a while ago. I think it was called, uh, I think it was in this book, Welcome to the Thunderdome by this guy, Dave Zirin, this this, uh, kind of sports and culture writer. Great book. And he was talking about the Olympics and how the Olympics are almost never profitable. Like it's it's pretty much always going to depress your economy and... It's never going to, you're never going to break even on them. I think the only time that anybody had ever broken even on the Olympics was um, the Salt Lake City Winter Olympics. I don't even know what year, but it, it was literally that year mm. was the only, was the outlier, the only one where anybody ever broke. Even. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at those numbers, <laughs> I think it's very, very unlikely that they're making up 220, $300 billion anywhere in the next, the next few years. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you all for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We are a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Ezra Trupiano, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email, and we will see you bright and early tomorrow.